911 Emergency Services, Officer Lyons speaking. My name is Darren McCord. I'm calling you from the Civic Arena, 555-1923. This is not a crank call. The Vice President is being held hostage in the owner's box. And they've got my daughter too. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I didn't think I enunciated clearly there, but you get you get the gist. I've said it 110 times now. 110. 110. Not including the lost tapes. <laughs> Not including the lost tapes. That's true. We'll release it one day. Maybe on the Patreons. Oh, teaser. Teaser. You big tease. I am a big tease. Hey, it's really raining out there like dogs and cats. Uh, good. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to preempt because we have a, a Seymour situation here. It's pouring with rain so bad that we can't take him for a wee-wee or a poo-poo. He's looking at me with sad eyes. But sometimes that Was sadness. He not, would he not go if you like? No. He doesn't like, he doesn't like weeing in the wet. He'll wee, wee and poo. But, you know, his sad eyes could turn into angry and when he gets angry, it gets really annoying. <laughs> So hopefully with the magic of audio and editing, you won't even know he's here. But if you hear weird things like me Rough. trying to negotiate with him and such, it's that's the reason. Uh, I thought you were going to say hopefully due to the magic of schmackos. Well, I do have his liver treats here. Yeah. And so he's being in his best behaviour currently. <laughs> Intensely. <laughs> he looks a little bit more pissed off than he did a minute ago. <laughs> Hey, this week we're looking at the 1995 Van Damme classic, Die Hard. That's right. It is another Van Damme week. Wait. <laughs> I was <laughs> – it took me a second. I was thinking um, – I was wondering if your Potsdoxus was going to be Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I mean Under Siege. Yeah. I mean Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Kidding. Sudden death. Sudden death. Um. Why don't we, uh, you know, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. People listening to this episode probably most likely to be interested in the wonderful, wacky world of Frank Dukes. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to shout out that episode a couple of episodes ago. If you haven't had a listen to that, go bonus back feature. and do it. It's a bonus feature, really. It's an in-depth interview with a mysterious human. What more do you want? Yeah, and and an and a important milestone on our Campaign 2000 journey. Mm. Um, the next of which I want to throw out there. I want to try and get Sheldon Letich on this show. Oh, Sheldon. The writer of Bloodsport, writer and director of Lionheart. Nice. And one other one. What's the other one? Double Impact. He wrote the Corsican Brothers? I believe so. Sacre bleu. <laughs> so that'll be the next chapter, hopefully. Who knows? We may never hear from Let's him. Let's get him on the blower. But we've just got to work our way up the ladder here until we get to Lord Jean-Claude Camille Francois Van Virenberg. Yeah, huh? Otherwise known as Jean-Claude Van Damme. JC to his friends. Yeah. Oh, one other thing I wanted to do before we get into the show, because we always do this at the end, but nobody nobody listens at the end. Ah. All the podcasts I listen to, I very rarely oh, make no. it to the to the end. Never. Never. You can tell us wrapping up and you don't want to hear the dregs of a conversation. Yeah, or I'm asleep. Oh. Or I've reached my destination. All these things. Or asleep at my destination. Destination is sleep. Exactly. Wow. But yes, yeah, so if you don't already follow us on the Instagrams, Please do. Come follow us. We add additional content there, various clips that don't make it into the show. We throw on there interviews, behind the scenes stuff, and just general lols and memes. Oh, big time. So many lols and memes. In fact, 
uh, speaking of Frank Dukes and speaking of the Graham, today one of our uh, dear friends of the show, Retro Robin, was uh, telling us how much he enjoyed the Frank Dukes episode and we ended up coming up with how he should be making a movie about his life and it would be like, you know, an unreliable narrator recounting his experiences, a bit like Big Fish, you know, that movie Big Fish. Oh, yeah. Except it could be spaced in the courtroom with his court case with Van Damme and it's all testimony. Nice. You get flashbacks and, you know, it's a movie. Aaron Sorkin, get onto it, man. Yeah, he likes those sort of things. He loves that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can't handle the Dukes. <laughs> that would be on the poster somewhere. Hollywood, I'm here. It's a, it's a <laughs> sweet package with a bow on top. It's there. It's yours. Take it. Just put me down as a story by and who, retro Robin. Who would play Frank Dukes? Frank Dukes. Oh, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. As requested by Frank. As requested by Frank himself. Yeah. Um, but bringing it back to this episode, of course, that's the JCVD week. Um, we're at the point now where we're in the, the mid-90s era, arguably the tail end of the golden era of Jean-Claude Van Damme. The year is 1995. Yes. Well, what was 1995 about? Was there any, any – you got any nuggets to take us back there? Yeah. Look, it's mid-90s by its, it is. its truest form. really is. Mid-90s. The middle of the 1990s. And the birth year of a little idea that went on to impact – People like us mm. and others. Okay. It was the year they invented a little thing called a DVD player. Ooh. Uh, massive. It is pretty massive. So, look, they weren't actually available till November 1996 in Japan. Mm. So they started talking about it. It was a thing. The tech was there. Uh, rolled out, I think, March 97 in the States and probably five years later in Australia. Mm. So I wanted to share a few uh, personal anecdotes from the Divda era mm. and ask you a few of yours. Can you guess, first of all, the first commercially released film on DVD? I'll give you a clue. Uh, we've, have we covered it? No. Oh, okay. Then I don't know. It has a natural disaster in it that also features in a film we have done about a little girl in another land just wants to get home and clickety-click her heels. Tornado. Oh, was it, was it Twister? It was Twister. Yeah, wow. Special mention to JB Hi-Fi Bins. Oh, yeah. Which was the uh, the real bounty of DVDs purchased by me at least, probably you. It was a big thing. JB Hi-Fi, a consumer electronics retailer in Australia. Um, but for a period there was kind of just the DVD store oh, yeah. in, in in human terms. That's what we used it for. You, the girlfriend or wife would go and do other things and you just go look at DVDs for about two hours and then buy two. But they were like $10 <laughs> each. You yeah. get like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Or yeah. And it'd be, it would be a, a combination of getting the classics but then also take, rolling the dice on a few too because they're cheap enough. You're like, yeah. yeah, right, why not? I never saw that. Do you remember the first DVD you owned? Them. Yeah, that's um, right. The, I don't know if it was the – I think it was Fight Club. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Fight Club and I watched it on my PlayStation 2. And I remember thinking, like, this is crazy. Look how clear that is. <laughs> this is wild. And Fight Club, because, you know, it's, it's shot really cool. Yeah. So it really was like, oh. Extra cool. This is like, how can anything be ever better than this? We've reached a pinnacle. <laughs> yeah. But now 8K. Yeah, what does that mean? Twice as good as 4K. Yeah, at least. <laughs> um, but obviously there was a great uh, decline 
in DVD sales. I think by since 2008 to 2018, there was an 86% decline in sales. I think it was the fastest selling technology of all time. Oh, yeah. So then I guess big spike and then down the and comes. down. Yeah, I right. say, yes, got a streamers. Yeah. Streamers really took the wind out of their sales. Man, I couldn't believe it because remember I moved to New York in 2012 and I had a massive DVD collection. I was selling all my DVDs yeah, I got some of them. at work. Yeah, And then I went to New York and they had this thing called Netflix and I, I couldn't and believe it. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. We didn't have anything close to that yet we in Australia. Didn't, did we? we didn't even have internet capable of that then, I don't think. It, it honestly blew my mind and yeah. I, I just couldn't believe it. I feel like I went 20 years in the future, honestly. Maybe you did. So, big, so that was the dawn of the DVD, huh? Yeah. It was the dawn of a few things. Especially in the world of movies. Oh, yeah? It was the dawn of Toy Story. Yeah. It was the dawn of Pocahontas. Not in the same year. The same year. Caca Uh But it was also the year of Batman Forever, which we've covered. Waterworld, which I'm dying to cover. Jumanji, which we have covered. Yeah, we covered that. Billy Madison, which we've covered. Virtuosity. Kids. But you know what they say? I think this is a common saying. There's only one movie that can come in at number 89. That movie was called Sudden Death. Me too, and then I was looking at the... I'm thinking top 30. I thought so too, and I was looking at the... As I reviewed the data, Greg, it appeared that it was not released outside of the US. Right? Yeah, so it's just domestic numbers, which is, I guess, why it's so Uh, far up there, but so far down there. But then I I wanted to check if it was bigger in Canada because, you know, ice hockey. I couldn't find those numbers. Yeah, you got to go into like WikiLeaks or the dark web to get the Canadian <laughs> box office. Well, then I was wondering if they just do North American numbers. I'm unclear. We'll never know. We'll never know. There's it's no way of finding find out. out. Yeah, but it came out in December of 1995, budget of $35 million with a gross of $64 million. Wow. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, critic score of 50%, audience score of 39%. It's... Always interesting when the audience score is lower than critics in a movie like this. In a critical film like this. <laughs> you would think. You would think this would be a fan favorite. I mean, even from posting it and announcing this episode the other day on the gram, everyone's like, this is my favorite one. Oh. Yeah. So who is this audience creating these scores? Again, we'll never know. We'll never know. Now, was this a big one for you, Greg? No. Me I, too. Like I definitely saw it. Yeah. Um, I, I think I get it a little bit confused with Snake Eyes. Interesting. Brian De Palma and starring it's interesting. Is it just because it starts with an S? Mostly. <laughs> I guess it's a, yeah, it's box. It's at it's an a event. It's a sporting event but there's things happening around. Snake Eyes is one I've been, one of those ones that I keep thinking of, oh, yeah, I should put that on my shortlist mm, for mm. soon and then I forget. Yeah. Because it's almost forgotten but I think it's kind of good. But I saw it when I wasn't ready to really understand it properly, I think. Yeah, I think I was let down. I think it was too adult. Yeah. So we should do it. But this, I think just, yeah, the, the fact that it was a sporting event slash, but it's not about the sport. Yeah. Which is always a letdown for a kid. And this is a year after your uh, social disaster of taking oh, your yeah. friends to Street Fighter. 
Yeah, so I'm having to distance myself from yeah. that's good that's a good point, Matt. I had yeah. to distance myself from JC a little bit. Yeah. I think there's a life stage thing there. Yeah. Potentially. Uh-huh. Cause I same I've seen it, but I I never like went out of my way to see it. Yeah. I think I just caught it on TV whenever. I didn't really remember anything about it other than the kid not leaving his seat. <laughs> I remember, oh, that's obedient. all I remembered. <laughs> the rest was a complete surprise. There's interesting bits that I'm surprised neither of us remember. Yeah, because there's some pretty cool bits. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Were you a hockey guy at all? Well, have I ever told you the story about wanting to play hockey? It's more of a Mighty Duck story, but oh, yeah? I really wanted to play hockey. at. So we had the local ice, ice skating rink, as you know. Yep. At Macquarie Centre. And I really wanted to play ice hockey after watching Mighty Ducks. Did you try and play for the old Macquarie Bears? Macquarie Bears. I was desperate to and I got all the forms and everything and mum was like, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, uh, Greg, it's $1,500 to join and get your uniform. I'm like, okay. You're like, I'm cool. I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, that means you're playing soccer again this year. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, back to the Gloatsville Ravens. So that happened, which was disappointing. And that's as close as I ever came. Yeah, right. Closest I ever got was that was like the place you'd go with chicks. Oh, yeah. When you were like year seven. Friday night to get chicks. Yeah. The Friday night disco version. But I was so shit at skating, Did you stay on for the speed skating session? Sometimes. So the thing that would always happen is because it would go for like two and a half hours or something. By the end I was good. Have we had this conversation? Maybe. And you and Brian had hockey skates? No. I never had hockey skates. Did I just make that up? (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's cool. What else is going on in there? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of it. You and Brian had hockey skates. (laughs) Wow, no, I was so bad. But it was like, <laughs> it was such a scene, man. And you'd go to Macca's upstairs and you'd get your Macca's and the overlooked the ice yeah, rink. Yeah, and you'd flick your gherkin onto the ice for gherkin races oh, onto the window. I'd heard of this. I never did that. Oh. But I've got very nostalgic feelings about that. Is it still, I think it's still there. It's still there. They went to remove it and there was a protest. Oh, good. There was an outrage. It was the only one in... Anywhere nearby, right? Yeah. I always wondered who the Macquarie Bears played against. <laughs> like Canada? <laughs> the Penguins? <laughs> Not well, a bad segue. Should I get into the origin story? Yeah, please do. We'll skate on. <laughs> origin story. Now, this obviously isn't the first Jean-Claude Van Damme movie we've done. Every 10 episodes, it's in chronological order. So I'll quickly recap where we've been. Keep going. The year is 1995. It's seven years after Bloodsport, six wow. years after Kickboxer, four years after Double Impact, three years after Universal Soldier, wow. two years after the Denim Westerns, mm-hmm. Nowhere to Run and Hard Target, one year after Street Fighter, one of his biggest movies, um, box office-wise, but a bit of a, a joke critically and culturally, unfortunately. So he's in a, kind of a weird space. But, you know, over this period he's gone from Karate Guy to fully-fledged lap pack guy. Yeah. His roles are no longer depending on him. Doing the splits. Doing the splits so much. As much. We should crunch those numbers and see how the splits taper off towards the end. Because yeah. they, they ain't it'd in this good, one. It'd be good to see as an infographic. Yeah, yeah. So in many ways we're, we're sort of at the peak of his ascension here. Or this may already be a slight decline. We'll get to that. This is somewhere. It's uh, almost like he's gone off the jump. Yeah. And he's. At a at a height that is yet, yet to yeah yeah it's like it's inevitable gravity. it's perhaps inevitable at this point because we talked before about how off the back of Street Fighter you know he had some some behind the scenes challenges on that one with um, 
a nasty coke habit and then ego getting ahead of him trying to secure these picture deals and asking for as much money as Jim Carrey, yada, yada, yada. So, and he says that's kind of what got him blacklisted. So those things had already happened. Mm. Um, but this movie was already in the books to happen. Yeah. This movie called Sudden Death. Also a true story. Is it? No. No. Well, I thought, you know, I've recapped the the Jean-Claude Van Damme story so far. I think I have to acknowledge in parallel to this, in fact, even earlier than all of this, way back in 1917, the 26th of November, the National Hockey League was founded. Oh, no way, Jose. Yeah. That's a true story. That's a true story. Hockey is real. Yeah, it's centered around a game called ice hockey or hockey. Mm -hmm. We call it ice hockey here because we have have field hockey. Oh, yeah, of course. This game would continue for some time. They just call it hockey, do they? I guess in the cooler climates, it's like, you know, do they call Chinese food Chinese food in China? Just food. <laughs> it's and there so you go. true. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Greg's too far from the party. Oh, <laughs> Won't stop me. Uh, so this game would continue for some time. Uh-huh. And by 1967, the Pittsburgh Penguins were founded. Uh-huh. They took their name from the igloo-like appearance of the Melon Arena, the, the arena in which they played. The Melon Arena? It's called Melon Arena. Okay. Like, I don't know. Like watermelon? I guess so. Yeah, that kind of – that's a – Well, it's got double L, but – Oh, know. yeah, Melon. Who knows? No one. Now, enter entrepreneur Howard Baldwin. Oh. Not, uh, not of the Baldwin family, I don't believe, um, although that would be interesting. Um, he had a knack for a good investment and had a history of working with uh, various hockey teams in the past. And in what I believe to be the early 90s, he became part owner and chairman of the Penguins for an initial investment of only $1,000. What? The rest is assumed debt, they call it. So I guess he was taking on sort of... Liabilities. Yeah. The Penguin was in the red. The Penguins weren't doing so great, I guess, at this time. I don't know anything about hockey, if you haven't noticed. All I can take away from this story is that they weren't in a great place at this time. But by 1992, he won the Stanley Cup with them. Yeah. So there you go. Fairy tale. Fairy tale, man. Against now, this team. Was it? Is that what? Was it set in 92? No, no, but it was a kind of a little throwback. Oh, uh, was it against this team? Apparently. I read oh, that that's somewhere. that's cool. Now, Howard Baldwin was married to a woman named Karen. Ka- ah. Karen Baldwin. Karen Baldwin. And she had an idea. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now, I'm not sure on the exact sequence of events here, but these two or three things happened. I'm not sure of of which the order is. But Karen had an idea for a movie. Howard had a two-year deal with Universal. So the wife of the chairman of the Penguins has a story by credit on this movie. Oh. Yeah. For the first time. And she would go on to be a pretty successful producer. Karen. Yeah, so Karen went on to win a Golden Globe for Ray. Oh. She also worked on The Patriot. She worked on a bunch of things. She also worked on The Hurricane Heist, I think. What's that one? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like Sharknado type of deal, I think. Um, Hurricane Heist. But isn't that a bit wild? That's crazy. So in many ways this is like branded content for the Penguins. Well, put them on my radar, I'll tell you. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of half joking when I went back to the origin of hockey for the origin story, but then it actually kind of worked because it is the origin story of this movie is rooted in actual hockey people. Yeah. And they seem to really love an aqua bird, the hockey folk. They do. What else you got there? Mighty Ducks. Oh, the ducks, yeah. 
I was always confused and it came into my head today so I finally Googled it. I was always confused as to whether the Mighty Ducks were a real team. Yeah. And it turns Anaheim. out they are now but it was after the movie. Mm. How about that? What How a legacy. That? Now this is the opposite. That it existed it before made a movie. the movie. Who would you rather be? Potato, potato. All comes back to hockey. It all comes back to hockey, man. In anyone's language, hockey. Now in terms of director, they bring on Peter Hyams. We remember him from Time Cop. Do I? <laughs> you should. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> but he also did End of Days, Thomas Aquinas. Ah, the real thing you know about Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas. Um, he wasn't interested initially. He thought this looked a bit dumb. Ah, uh, that's how every good love story starts. <laughs> exactly. JCVD convinced him otherwise. He's a big fan of JCVD. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. Good movie. Van Damme likes saying trust me. He says it a lot. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> trust me. I'm a karate guy. <laughs> <laughs> now, being that this film was essentially driven by the team itself, the owners of the team itself, they actually shot... Most of it in the real arena, all that kind of shit. Access, baby. Real access. It's not access. what you know. It's who you know. It's where you know, mm-hmm. etc. It's how you know. Um, they used the actual arena. Um, they were going to use footage from an exhibition game between Pittsburgh and Chicago, but they were like, it's not intense enough. We need to up the intensity. Oh. So they organised another game and used players from um, a bunch of different teams, I think. Uh, now, in terms of cast, there's some bullshit precasties here like, oh, they wanted Arnold, they wanted Sly. Of course they fucking did. They didn't get him. Yeah. <laughs> they, they got Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Um, Jean-Claude plays Darren Francis Thomas McCord, a former Pittsburgh firefighter. Uh-huh. Um, Powers Booth yep. plays Joshua Foss, the bad guy, the Hans Gruber type. Yep. Powers Booth is his name. Yeah, you're not familiar with Powers? He's been in something else we've done. I'm familiar with him. I just never knew his name. Yeah. Powers Booth. Did he get that off a hairdryer? <laughs> <laughs> I can only assume so. <laughs> uh, Raymond J. Barry as US Vice President Daniel Binder. He was very slick. Yeah, he's done some films. He's been around. These Both those guys are also in Rapid Fire. Ah. Guess knew, which one's the bad guy I knew in that. Powers was. I don't know. Is it a reversey? Oh, you betcha. Oh, keep, keep the body guessing. Uh, Ross Mallinger <laughs> as Tyler McCord, Darren's Actors. son, who we, who we know from uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. And um, Oakland uh, Ford Motors. Yeah. He's a car salesman. Yeah. Correct. Uh, Whitney Wright as Emily McCord, uh, Darren's daughter. She may also be selling cars now. And Dorian Harewood as Matthew Hallmark, a Secret Service agent who fucks everything up. He's a bad guy, it turns out. I'm not sorry, I'm getting into plot. Whatever happened to that guy? As an actor or in the movie? Both. <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> he, I noticed, uh, this probably comes later, but who cares? I noticed after he died, they showed him again. Like they must have used the cut from a different <laughs> scene or something. In one of the crowd shots where everyone's running. Oh, He's there, right there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, they get these people together, put them in, a, in the old igloo there with the penguins. Um, they crash a helicopter or two, a few cardboard cutouts in the audience to really flesh out the yep. um, the crowd there. Yeah, and bish bash bosh, you go sell for maybe rap party at uh, the Viper Room. Yeah, let's play the trailer. As we get ready for the seventh and final game of the Stanley Cup Finals, you can feel the electricity in the air, and there's no question, it just sends a chill up your spine, Paul. That's a fact, Mike. And to make things even more exciting, the Vice President of the United States is here this evening. Don't leave your seats. 
look too good. 911 emergency services. I'm calling you from the Civic Arena. The vice president is being held hostage in the owner's box. And they've got my daughter too. What is your objective? One billion seven hundred million dollars. We're still evaluating the situation. They want money, a lot of it. Give it to them. Do not try any kind of rescue. Do you understand me? If you're not gonna pay, say so. I'll get my daughter. When the game ends, everyone in this box and in this arena will die by explosion, fire, and panic. Tonight, 17,000 hockey fans have been taken hostage. Enough bombs have been planted in this building to stop all the clocks in the hemisphere. But only one of them knows it. I'm gonna try to stop you up. I know where the bombs are, so I know where you're going. Then come and get me. We are gonna do this by the numbers. What number was that? Now he has more to lose than anyone. I said no vehicles on the grounds, no helicopters in the air. What part of that did you not understand? Jean-Claude Van Damme. Powers Boost. trailer not bad at all good don lon fontaine in there yeah r.i.p big man got explosions uh-huh got powers booth got clips from die hard <laughs> spliced in yeah why not or <laughs> oh, the dutch nature <laughs> <laughs> uh what happened in this movie greg uh yeah where am i chong lee tong po Dolph Lundgren. Mm. Throughout his career, JC has faced some of the most formidable foes ever to grace the big screen. In sudden death, he faces his toughest opponent yet, a lady in a penguin costume. (laughs) John McClane, I mean Darren McCord, is a firefighter that's trying to get his life back on track. He couldn't save a little girl in a fire and it's been two years his wife has a new man. Is that because of what happened in the first scene? We don't really know. Maybe indirectly. And he's working a part-time job to keep food on the table and feed his abs. <laughs> he gets his kids a couple of tickets to the Stanley Cup final showdown. He's working at the stadium as a fire marshal. Little did he know... Things are about to go down. There's an ex-CIA terrorist who plans to blow up the building and get money transferred from somewhere to somewhere else by taking the vice president's private suite hostage. But what they didn't know is that Darren McLeod... McLeod? McCord. is not going to let anything happen to his babies. <laughs> And there's some explosions and whatnot. It's also a love story between a man and his children. Yeah. I never, I didn't move, Dad. Yeah. Somebody says something yeah. like that. Don't you ever get up. If the building is falling down around you, you don't move. Pretty scary, Dad. You don't move. Yeah. Playing favourites. <laughs> uh, very well recapped there, Greg. Um, uh, we mentioned it there briefly, but that that was one of my first things. It was early on in the movie. But one of my first things, Ara, watch this with me. Uh-huh. I turned to Ara and I said, 
good stepdad. I think it's unusual for the time. Yeah. Good stepdad. He, he backed him up. He went on to play no role in the film whatsoever. Yeah, well, I was worried it was going to come back in some way like he was, I don't know, a bad the, guy or something. There was a few loose ends in a lot of the setup of this film. Right. Well, I wouldn't call that one a loose end. He was a good stepdad. Yeah, but like what's the point? I don't know. Why not? Why? Just something for stepdads. They're always portrayed bad. And stepmothers too, evil stepmothers. I've okay. got great stepparents. About time they're represented on screen as such. Okay. Jean-Claude Van Damme trailblazer back in 1995. Maybe they could have given him more than two lines in the film. <laughs> yeah. And I did also wonder, is it making the mum the bad one? Because even the stepdad's like, relax, wife. Yeah. <laughs> I think it had a balance. I'm overanalyzing a three-second moment of the film. <laughs> well, you've got to work with what you've got. <laughs> I did not apply as much analysis to the next hour and a half. I think I fell asleep at one point. Really? Well, I don't remember the guy dying that you said died. Who? The double-crosser. He burns. Yeah. It's on fire. Yeah. He uses a water pistol and a lighter. Yeah, I was taking some notes. I had to put the trash out. <laughs> Greg Carney. This I, is this I is tried to rewatch it today, but it ran out, and I wasn't paying five bucks. This is a prescribed text for our of our Lord and Savior John Claude Van Damme. Yeah, I got the gist. <laughs> yeah, you did get the gist. Um, and there's something about your demeanor, Greg. This, was this not an enjoyable watch for you? Uh, no, it was good. It was just uh, for a movie that had so much action, I found it a little boring. Yeah, this this movie definitely suffered from like the middle section thing that happens sometimes. Yeah, it was just like a bit of and then this and then this and then this. Yeah, um, but there were highlights in there. there oh, some parts I liked. yeah. What about you? Tell me. You tell me some things you liked about the film. Well, in terms of um, things I liked, I've covered stepdad. Oh yeah, that, big covered moment. that well. Should I cover it again? Uh, oh, maybe. <laughs> let's see time. how we let's see how we go. See we can we come go. back to it because I may run out of other things. Yeah, um, Powers Booth was fantastic. Um, I only really know him from Deadwood, so I was delighted to see him. He looked so different. For what I'm used to from Deadwood. A cowboy hat? Well, he was he's bald. He died three years ago. Yeah. I didn't know. A pancreatic cancer. And he was great in uh, Deadwood. He was just bald? sigh or whatever. Well, like his hairline like went back. Yeah, a, a, a recedeur. Recedeur. He, um, he's one of our guys. You know how we love those stories of um, celebrities that have been married for ages? Yes. He married his college sweetheart in 1969 and they were married until he died. Ah. Isn't that sweet? Bless. And then yeah. what? They got divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a bitch. <laughs> uh, I would like to divorce my dead husband. <laughs> I wonder if that's happened at all. I don't know. Um, he was also in Rapid Fire, as you said. Yeah. And you can tell Brucey he's done voices on Ben 10. <gasps> Whose voices has he done on Ben 10? I don't know, some aliens or something. Vil- Vilgax? I have no idea, man. <laughs> all I know is Ben. <laughs> i got to find this out. Brucey will be delighted. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I like all the arena stuff, like the fact that they really shot there. It adds to it, man. Yeah, it, it does. It all feels very real and the energy is quite real. Yeah. I like all that stuff. feels practical. You know, most of this will be CGI. Now, they really crashed the helicopter and all that shit. That was real. Yeah. I remember actually, I forgot to say this in my memories before, I remember seeing on Entertainment Tonight or something yeah. a clip. Yeah, and it was like Jean-Claude Van Damme on set and it's like, I hear you're really crashing a helicopter in this one. He's like, yes, good movie. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep a few surprises. <laughs> Big surprise. Huge surprise. That was a great show. 
Happy birthday to. <laughs> it was pretty shit. Jim Carrey, he turns 42. <laughs> I hate it now because you know what? I look for clips of things and instead you get the Entertainment Tonight report on the clip and it's like they don't show the clip properly. Oh, stop it. Show me the damn clip. Show us the clip. You don't have ownership of all these clips. Yeah, you bastards. Um, I like the kids. I think the kids were pretty good. Great to see him speaking French. Oh, what a what a smooth setup. What a smooth setup. Uh, one critique I do have of this movie. What? Just one. They could have got a better national anthem guy. Also, I was very confused. I thought it was set in Canada at first. And then it ah, turned out it was not. Because I didn't not. know the Penguins were a real team at that point. Yeah. I didn't know the the, the story of Karen Baldwin. Of course. Um, yeah, I thought like that's a great opportunity for a cameo. Why don't I have like, it's 1995, why don't I have like Paul Abdul? Oh, yeah. I was going to say Seal. Seal would be good. He was probably in Britain in it. In it, yeah. Is he English? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, so I think that's a missed opportunity there. Otherwise, perfect film. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think it's a perfect film. I had fun with it though. And I was expect. I think I was expecting more of a train wreck based off of where we left off with Street Fighter and the behind-the-scenes mm. stuff on that. He seemed pretty well kept together. Yeah. And in other clips I'd seen, I think he was in pretty good shape, like in terms of uh, interviews and things, like he wasn't. He looked better than Guile. Yeah. He looked healthier. He could. He looks like he wasn't being propped up. Yeah, and he wasn't so moist. Mm. And I thought it was interesting. It wasn't quite what I was expecting in terms of uh, it was quite brutal. Mm, there was a look. It was. Yes. Because it's definitely like Die Hard at a hockey game pitch. But it's, I would say it's way more brutal than Die Hard. Oh, they've obviously said, well, let's do Die Hard at a hockey game and just dial up the death a bit. Dial it up to let's, 11. Let's show that dead baby at the beginning. Yeah, that was hardcore. I mean, the same, all these movies, the same amount of people die. But just the way they did it, like Aro was actively like wincing at things. That like, police oh. that killed, that killed the cops at the beginning? Yeah. Trick him into the van and mow them down? Yeah, it was, yeah, they Ooh. used machine guns willy-nilly. Yeah, they loved a machine gun. Yeah, and then pretty just brutal deaths even with, um, you know, his, his various MacGyver weapons he invents, which you appear to have missed. <laughs> no, I've got most of them. You've got most of them. The yeah. water pistol, the dart gun thing. Dart gun out of the that wrist. That was cool. And I think... With that, it's sort of a – it's an interesting departure in many ways. We'll get into the formula, the JCVD yeah. universal formula later. But it is kind of a unique point in his trajectory where he's really – it's probably the – not most mainstream successful but most mainstream movie. Yeah. I was watching a lot of clips of him talking about his career up until this point and how in the beginning he knew – you know he couldn't speak English but he was a karate guy – so he had to go for movies where the role was primarily physical. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he, he's supposed to just be a guy, just some mm. guy. From, so this, from Quebec. Yeah. So this is probably the one movie in his entire catalogue where his fighting ability has nothing to do with his role. I mean, he gets in fights in it. Mm. And I kind of wish he was less good at fighting in it. It was more rough. Yeah. But um, it, this is probably the one role where he's not the – He's not a superhuman soldier. He's not a this mm. or that. He's not a karate guy. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's just a guy with a very specific set of skills. <laughs> yeah. And I think in that way it is It is a bit like um, it stands out in his filmography but also does that represent his apex in a way because it's the furthest away he's gotten from his his origins. 
It's yeah. kind of the, the most, the furthest in terms of range is gone the, from Karate Guy. You genuinely could have replaced him in this film with one of the lap pack guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is feel quite slyish to me. Sly or Brucey Baby, for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or even Seagal. Yeah. Because can we get into just a little bit on Darren McLean, the man? Darren McLean? <laughs> yeah, okay. McLeod. McCord. McCord, that's it. <laughs> it might as well be McLean. Darren McCord. Darren Francis Thomas McCord to he, you, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's pretty handy for an ex-fireman, I would say. And I know that firemen are very talented and resourceful individuals. Um, yeah. But is he like also an ex-Green Beret perhaps? Because th- this is my main issue with the movie is um, I wish he wasn't so good at fighting. Yeah. I wish there was more desperation in every like and building swing and bombs out of whatever's around him. Well, that I thought Ara made a good point on this. He's a fire expert. So all the things he's been taught not to do, maybe he's doing I know a couple like of knows- fires. I don't know how they if they could whip together a explosive <laughs> dart gun. And a dart gun out of their wrist in like a minute. <laughs> maybe he was a Canadian boy scout. Is but in back up in Quebec? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where he played semi pro? Yeah. Did he? He played semi-pro hockey. Oh, that's right. That's the, the other part I'm confused about because I thought this was set in Canada, but the kids, but the, the Penguins are not a Canadian. Uh, no. There's no Canadian team playing, is there? No, no there is. That, there is a Canadian team playing because they go, are you Republicans or Democrats? And they go, we're Canadians. So they, they were playing against the Canadian team maybe. Oh. Or maybe they're just all Canadians on the American because it's like. Oh, it's, maybe. It's like. Who the are they playing against? Premier League in, in England. Yeah, there's right. Not, well, there is English players, but, you know, there's, there's heaps of internationals. It's like NBL. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> there's um, – Dwayne McLean. There's another <laughs> McLean. Wow. <laughs> wow yourself. <laughs> D-Train. Did, um, Can we call Darren D-Train? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so he's got the explosives. Oh, yeah. He can, he can hang like cliffhanger. He can hang well. Now, I bet you there's a few fires that could do that because there's some animals. So and they're, they're physical. quite physical. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Could, they'd, be, they'd be up there for days. That's like often when you're not called out, you just work out all day. I wanted to be a firefighter for a while for that reason. Yeah. When my pri- primary objective in life was to get jacked. Oh, I thought about <laughs> going to jail for the same reason. <laughs> I just work out all day. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I like your version better in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what oh, about both dangerous? Oh, yeah, that's true. One pays better. Yeah, one has access to the world. <laughs> the world, yeah, true. Um, he's also an incredible goalie. Yeah, and saves the best shot that this character or this f- fictional goalkeeper would have saved all year. Actually, yeah, uh, confession time. I did miss how he got to that. Oh, he just put on a disguise and wandered onto the ice. Yeah, right. I know he was being chased through the crowd, not, which it's it's crazy. It was not happening in a short period of time. It was like, hang on, I was just. I found it hard to suspend disbelief at certain points that the crowd had no idea what was going on for any of this because there was shit going down. Well, maybe it's an allegory into the psyche of the American public. Oh, yeah, like stand by and do nothing and just enjoy the game. Like like um, American Psycho almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. 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 Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he look, he's basically Casey Ryback and John McClane put together mm. with a sprinkling of Goldberg from Mighty Ducks, <laughs> who was as as you know the goalie. 
who's fallen on harder times. Has he? Yeah. Poor guy. I did see something. I can't poor child stars, man. Yeah, it's Some tough. Bullshit. Some bullshit. Yeah. Um, which is kind of nice to see that the kids in this just went on to live normal lives. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who else was a car salesman? Who? Danny Russo. Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. Daniel LaRusso. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I dropped the Allah. <laughs> there were some real hockey players in this or real hockey figures, both players and commentators and such. I'll read out a list of names. I don't know any of them. Jay Caulfield as Brad Tolliver. Bill Clement as Oh, Pre- Tolliver. That's the guy with the missing tooth. Was it? Okay. I thought he was going to turn out to be an insider for the for the Gruber gang. But the part that I'm confused about too is like were, they, were the players that were playing – Real players because it also says here Ian Moran played Chris Chelios, and when I look up both of those, they were both hockey players. So were they? Did they have hockey players playing real other hockey players? <laughs> I've got no. It's so confusing. I got no idea. But all the announcers and that kind of thing were real. Um, it was the real vice president, and uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, nice try, buddy. Real gun. I'm just patting your dog. I, I think as I'm a multitasking. test. I thought the vice president was a nice pitch because it's like more believable. Yeah, versus the president. Like it'd be pretty hard to get at the president. He was so smooth. Who? So cute. The president. The vice president. Yeah, Mr. Vice President. Mr. Vice President. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was a, yeah, a real Bill Clinton type, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was thinking because as we observed, it didn't seem like as much of a – uh, JC himself didn't seem to be in as much of a shitty state as in yeah, um, yeah. as in Street Fighter. But then Definitely I remembered, healthier. I remembered via Google that also this was the year that he was in Friends, oh, or at least the year they shot it. Okay, because it came up in an interview I was watching. Oh, I heard you're going to be on Friends. He's like, oh yeah, we just shot it when he was promoting this movie. And there is some behind the scenes hot goss from that one of him being a bit of a diva. Been a bit much. On the set of Friends. On the set of Friends. So Tell you who wouldn't like that. Who? Uh, Ross. Ross would not. He would be very jealous of Jean-Claude Van Damme. He would yeah. make him very insecure. <laughs> Actually, that's probably the plot of that episode. <laughs> he does hook up with Ra- Rachel. He, I think he you hooks up with both of them a little bit. That I think she's cute. Yeah, that's it. That's the clip. There's a good line. Now, there's a few little stories here. None from the stars directly but from other people involved in the show. So former NBC Entertainment President Warren Littlefield recalled, Jean-Claude Van Damme may have fallen into the category of who's more difficult to work with, him or the monkey? Mm. Goes on to say he arrived at the set three or four hours later and went straight to his trailer. Um, So series co-creator David Crane and I thought we'd introduce ourselves and ask him if he had any questions. We went over and he said, no, first they memorize lines. Then you'll give me the feeling. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, Risty? I think Perhaps. it must be. <laughs> give me the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's obviously had a bender. It yeah, it sounds like it, right? This is, yeah. Um, that would have been fun. <laughs> and then uh, I think this guy is a producer on the show, Michael Lembeck, recalled that Van Damme was quite difficult to manage and said there was an incident because he kisses both Rachel and Monica. Yes. And keep going. <laughs> so he says, We shoot him and Jennifer first. Then she walks over to me and says, Lem Lem, which I guess is his nickname. <laughs> Would you do me a favor and ask him to not put his tongue in my mouth when he's kissing me? 
And I tell him everything's great, but it's a tight shoot, so maybe let's not do that. Then we're shooting the scene later with Courtney. Here comes Courtney walking toward me and saying, Lem, can you tell him to not put his tongue in my mouth? <laughs> oh. He's, he's European. He's method, man. He's yeah. European. Look, I, I don't condone this behaviour, but we've got a – there are cultural nuances. Well, we met Jean, Jean-Claude Van Damme almost exactly a year ago now. Mm-hmm. He didn't kiss us, but it was the beginning of COVID. Yeah. He so was sanitising up a storm. In any other scenario, I assume he, he may have rachel us and – he may have rachel me and courtney you. Yeah. Wait, Wait, what, what? are their names? monica you. <laughs> That's cold, man. Why? You don't want to be Monica? No one wants to be Monica. They're relatively equal. Nah. Yeah, nah. <laughs> Rachel's pretty iconic. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. It's a bit of a grislier one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of keeping going, this is obviously a diehard but at a blank mm. movie. Mm. I thought we could perhaps go through some of some other examples and uh, maybe some of the best ones. I have a point of view. Tell me if you agree. Mm-hmm. Die Hard at a School, Toy Soldiers. Mm. That's a good one. I can't wait to do that. I'm really, that's another one I keep forgetting. Pots and Pans. What's Pots and Pans? It's been on stand as well, so I reckon it's gone now by the time we had it. 100%. Um, Die Hard on a Boat, Under Siege. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't remember much of that. Under Siege? I can't remember a lot of it. Oh, man, I've seen that movie so many times. I've seen it probably the same amount I've seen this movie. That's sad. I just wasn't Steven Seagal. Oh, man, it wasn't, it wasn't I one love of my guys. Casey Ryback. Yeah, it wasn't one of my guys. Oh, so Steven Seagal was, for a period, um, a guy of mine. Yeah, I can understand that. He undid it all, though. <laughs> yeah. But this era, Steven Seagal in a pool hall with a pool ball smacking dope fiends. Oh, yeah. Who sings that in their song? Is it? I don't know. I feel it's like it's an Aussie hip-hop group. Like Steven Seagal in a pool hall with a pool ball smacking dope because it's. Well, Hilltop Hoods. Maybe Hilltop Hoods. <laughs> Yeah, let's go with Hilltop Woods. Yeah. Die Hard on a Plane, there's a few. Die Hard 2? <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Die Hard 2. <laughs> Passenger 57. Ah, yes, always been on black. Con Air. Yeah, yeah. In a way, Air Force One in a way. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that. You, you, oh, my plane. Yeah, you usually do that when I say it. I was paused for that. <laughs> say it again. Get off my plane. Uh, Harrison Ford's a gem. Let's do him soon. Yeah. Now someone, one of our friends of the show on Instagram pointed out, because we just did Little Monsters, that um, our flow is a little all over the place because we've done the same amount of Fred Savage movies as we have Nick Cage movies and Stallone movies. And? Oh, no, he actually said, I like that, but it made me realise, oh, we need to start balancing things out a bit because I feel like we're overdue for some Stallone or some Nick Cage for sure. We did did Cobra recently. Yeah. Is that only our second one? What about? There's people we haven't even done yet. Yeah. We've done like one Keanu. No, two. Bill and Ted as well. So we, there's, we did there's Tommy Lee Jones, didn't we? Only in, only in uh, Batman Forever episode one. Really? Yeah. Didn't he cop up in something else? Probably. <laughs> I feel like I, well, Another one, I remember a few episodes ago, I don't remember what movie it was now, but I'm like, this is the first sequel we've ever done. And someone on the gram pointed out, your first episode was Batman Forever. <laughs> yeah. But that's not like a direct sequel sequel. Hey, look, Joe Rogan doesn't remember his conversations from 10 minutes ago. so He changes his opinion based on his guest. So, you know, we're in good company, I say. That's true. Hey, Die Hard in Alcatraz. The Rock. Oh. Die Hard on a Mountain. Cliffhanger. Oh. Die Hard on a Bus. Spood. 
Some um, of these I feel are a stretch. Some of them are a stretch, but you can see that I they're, like the theme, they're broadly though. that. Yeah. Speed is a stretch. The other ones I would say, and I think the ingredients would be, and every man has to step up. Take you know, on them terrorists. Yeah, in an, in an otherwise ordinary environment. Ah. I, would suge- I, would, I would think. So I think cliffhanger works in that sense. Mm. But maybe Air Force One doesn't because it's the fucking president. Die Hard with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Skyscraper. Uh, Is he not the least interesting uh, movie star now? He's just not interesting. He's definitely. I couldn't get excited. He's he's softened his edge. I would be, I would be disappointed at him being cast in any movie. I think like there's no scenario where I go, oh, they got the rock for that. No scenario. There will be. They're, I'm sure it'll come back around, but for now, no. Well, he's at the he's at the height of Hollywood. So well, now he's just a bloody he's living, an living breathing ad for his tequila. And the new energy drink, apparently. Termana. Yeah. I don't like this new world where the, these celebrities are the new corporations. You got Ryan Reynolds with his gin. Yeah, he made a lot of money off that thing. Didn't he, he sure did. But what about, you know, your average Joe six pack down in Newtown trying to make a gin? He can't mm. compete with movie star six pack Ryan Reynolds. He's got an eight pack. Mm. It's just not fair. Stu Gregor just sold four pillars for 40 mil. That's, there you go. That's chump change compared to. Whatever crap, oh, that is chump change. Whatever crap, Ryan Ryan Reynolds. I was going to say you proved me wrong. That's a good story, but while that is a good story, it's nowhere near. That's right, it's nowhere near the heights of Ryan. And I've, to be honest, I'm not it's, a gin connoisseur, but I've heard it's not very good. What Ryan Reynolds is? Yeah, right? I would. I bet you four pillars would be four times. The gin I've, is delicious. I don't live a gin lifestyle, but I've heard four pillars. It, it has reached me in many ways from people saying how good it is. I've not heard the same gin. about Aviator Gin. The owner's a marketing guy. He owns a PR agency. There you go. Um, and, well, so does Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> he does. He owns an advertising agency. Oh, go what? Just go to sleep, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, it's called Maximum Effort. But most of the – like, you know, he did an ad for – I think these are all things that he owns, though. So he did an ad for some telco in Canada. That's the thing that had Rick Moranis on it. And but all of his ads are like all of the ads that come out of that. I think are just hi, right, I'm, hi. I'm Ryan, Ryan I'm, Reynolds. I'm Ryan Reynolds. Isn't it annoying how you, I talk? Have you ever seen how perfect my life is? <laughs> Guess what? I'm also funny. You know what? I, do you know what your wife thinks about me when I sleep when she sleeps with you? <laughs> I do like Ryan Reynolds, but I just don't need that much Ryan Reynolds. Mm. And I don't need him to 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 take all the money from the average Joe six pack making a gin. Yeah, stop doing know, things now, here? Ryan. You've got everything. Dead man. No billionaires. So mm. once you make $999 million, wait. It goes to us. It gets cut off and everything else goes elsewhere and you get a plaque. You get a dog park named after you. That's what, <laughs> That was like some viral tweet that went around. That's nice. Who needs a billion dollars? No one. Well, tell that to the billionaires. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, if you're listening, <laughs> how much is Kanye worth now? Well, I read today six point six billion. That's a large number. It's many. He was asking um, Facebook guy for fifty million dollar loan a couple of years ago, wasn't he? Yeah, Zuckerberg. The Zuck. Anyway, back on the idea, idea of Die Hard at blank. I've came up with a few oh, of sorry. my own. Yes, go. Let's let's see which one. Which one would you want to make? Okay. Which one should we green light? All right, we deciding here and now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's going all the way to Hollywood. All right, I'm going to pitch these, and which one could star Ryan? Okay, Reynolds we can discuss probably this first one. Die Hard at a gym. 
Okay. So one gym bro has to really step up. Oh. Who's the real alpha? <laughs> it could be Ryan Reynolds actually because, you know, I'm sure he works out a lot. Or Mark Wahlberg perhaps. What? Is a guy in here with a gun? How you doing? Wahlburgers? <laughs> Die hard at the gym? Yeah. It's not bad. You have to get creative with different uh, weapons and such. Mm-hmm. Die hard at the Olympics? Oh, javelin. <laughs> That's what I wrote. <laughs> Did you do that when you said it? Maybe. <laughs> I was going to say a javelin player perhaps. Um, die hard at a church? Oh. So maybe there's like a preacher that's got a history of is an ex-marine or something. Wow. I don't know. Who knows? Good place to have hostages. Yeah. Die Hard at the Royal Easter. Or sometimes they have like interesting tunnels underneath and shit. Oh, the catacombs. Yeah, the catacombs. Die Hard at the Royal Easter show. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that would be fun. Because all the theme parky stuff. Mm. I don't think that's been done, right? Well, it's been done with vampires. No, with zombies. Zombies. Yeah, zombie land. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this one is my favourite actually. Die Hard at a movie studio. At a studio on set with yeah. all the props. And, and so you can work on all the different sets and it can start mm. to be a bit of a it can get into parody territory of yeah. making nods to all the different types of movies and such. Yeah. That could be fun. I'm down. Is it a real gun or a prop gun? I don't know. Soon find out. Real gun. Hey, should we do the Jean-Claude Van Damme test? I've been waiting for it. Okay. So if you recall, uh, Greg and I, I nearly called you Jean-Claude. <laughs> oh, I get that all the time. Uh, wrote a, a, what would you call it, a universal plot synopsis of all Jean-Claude Van Damme mm. films. And yeah. we use it as sort of a benchmark to see just, just how close to Jean-Claude Van Damme Heartland is this plot? Now, I'll read out the universal plot and we can, we can okay, dissect afterwards. Okay, let's go. All right, so every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Oh, am I not ticking? I'm not ticking. No, yeah, okay, cool. Every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie unfolds as follows. JCVD plays an American, air quotes, who wears high-waisted pleated pants in a foreign land on a quest to seek revenge for a fallen loved one the hands of morally corrupt racial stereotypes. But he's about to find out that training to fight his enemy means facing the enemy within and slowly doing the splits. He also gets his buns out, usually. But in this case, there's a few gaps, isn't there? There sure is, which is testament to... You know what you were talking about earlier. This might be the furthest away in many ways. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe. This is as far this is as far out to sea as he goes from Island Jean Claude Karate Guy. When's Quest? The Quest is the same year. It's the next movie. It's the next movie. So he just comes. He goes all the way out and then just retreats back to his heartland. Interesting move. Yeah, good. Interesting move. Now his accent is explained in this one. He is, of course, from. Quebec, Quebec. It's, we know that because that's where he played semi-pro. It, he did. He played semi-pro there. Now, interestingly, I came across a clip where this woman seems to be asking the exact same question. So I've got a couple of clips I'll oh, play good, here. Oh, good, good. But this first one is in relation to his accent, um, but he's got some good additional commentary around that. Hello, good morning. Hi, Valerie. How are you? I'm well. Now, I love the fact that you're Canadian in this movie. I guess this is how they explain the accent. Absolutely. But, I mean, uh, slowly uh, the audience, uh, they don't care no more because they're saying your accent is sexy. So, who knows? Any opportunity to (laughs) self-promote. You know, a lot of the ladies are saying, I'm a cute guy. Uh, So funny. Now, I'll bundle these two together because I think the reason for not doing it, which Jean-Claude Van Damme will explain, is, is probably the same. Both no buns and no splits 
Yeah. Which is disappointing, but I, when you hear him explain it, again, based on everything we've said up until this point, you kind of understand why. Now, I was looking for the splits this time. I figure you're wearing goalie pads in this movie. Oh, the split. Yeah, did you not do the splits in this one? I couldn't tell if you did in your goalie pads or not. I mean, this is, this is the signature of you decide to say, yeah, no more splits. It will not work with the movie because Sun Death, it's close to be real. You know, with all the bombing in Paris and, 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 and Japan and in the world. And if I start to do a split or show some biceps, it's like he's like, a, a thing, like a toy. Like, yeah. So I want to play like a normal guy, a father who's divorced, who's got problem with, with his life and even with his kids. And slowly he'll become a hero in the movie because his kids are in danger. Yeah. And every parent will do the same. When he explains a plot, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm for this. Well, this is the thing. I watched a few clips of him today promoting this movie and he's so genuine about selling this movie and yeah. like how good he believes, how much he believes in it. And I think because it's, it is like a new step for him and everything and most of the clips no one really wants to talk about it. Like on Letterman he just kind of keeps sort of making fun of him and Jay Leno is similar. They just, they just don't really let him give his proper like, no, mm. but it's a good movie. Let's talk about the movie. <laughs> mm. like, yeah, yeah, so the splits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure, yeah. I bet you I bet you do well with the ladies, young Cleveland. You know, just bullshit yeah. like that. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. Kinda uh, poor guy. Kinda poor guy, not really. Now the fight within is something we talk about in this plot synopsis a lot too. We don't often address it. But, you know, the real enemy is the enemy within. Yeah. Interestingly, Jean-Claude talks about that very thing in this very oh. interview. For the first time. He's demons. And uh, martial arts really built me physically and mentally because the biggest fight in my life was against myself. I was very insecure physically and still... Uh, Still I am mentally. So that's why I'm doing better every day. At least I'm trying and I want everything perfect in life. And martial arts really helped me. When I came in this country in uh, the US with my dream to become a movie star, it was like martial arts, white belt, brown, black belt. Same with movies. I start C movies, C plus, B, B plus, and no, A movie, Sun Death. So this is, you know? this is all part of the plan. This is your A-list movie now. Now. You- Aww. It's right. He's so pumped for this thing. I love this man. Right? <laughs> He's what a sweetheart. I really wanted to include that clip for that reason because it is sweet. Mm. And that's kind of what prompted um, what I was saying before around this. He really, if you look at it from his point of view, he's come to another country. All he could do was the kicking. So he takes roles where he does the kicking. But now he's doing a movie where it's like, Technically sort of supposed to rely on his acting. Yeah, and, yeah. and almost loses a fight to a woman penguin. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting in that clip. Very. The, uh, a few things. He kind of really, he says he's still, the internal is still oh, yeah. going on, which is interesting. And, yeah, it, it is kind of sweet to see him fucking proud of this picture, you know? And it's such a shame because you know what happens after this. This kind of was the peak. I don't know. Would you think it's the peak? It's probably the. Uh, sorry, you go. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, I feel the like peak for me was like my favorite films were his early films. Yeah, but so I don't know what I would articulate the peak as. I guess oh, like but, the yeah. What's your definition of peak? Probably like when we say Eddie Murphy, right? He's made good movies 
some good movies later, but there's the sort of the golden age of Eddie Murphy. I, I'd argue it's probably a similar thing here. I'm sure we'll do other Jean-Claude Van Damme movies and like every now and then we'll be like, I love this movie. Mm. But I think that the magic of that those those first ten years, less than mm. ten years, mm. seven years, eight years. Meteoric trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, there's that magic there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think it might be the peak. But anyway, well, that's not a bad segue into the verdict. Should we get into the verdict? Yeah. All right. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Actually, Roger Ebert gave this uh, two and a half stars out of four. Oh, yeah. So sudden death isn't about common sense. It's about the manipulation of action and special effects sequences to create a thriller effect and at that it's pretty good. Oh, yeah? Interesting. I always like to see those ones where he kind of zigs when everyone else zags. He's like, well, actually, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, Goldie bit. But uh, I don't know, in terms of my overall thought here, I think with the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, it's part of it is like, yeah, is it a rewatch or not? But for me it's also like, does this belong in like the Jean-Claude Van Damme canon? Like is this... Oh, if like you want to experience were, his his range and everything, does this belong in there? If you were buying a box set, yeah, that kind of shit. Is it in the box set for you, Tristan? It, it is. If you think about it, and you think about his um, his career as Lap Pack, you know, he's got his Karate Guy stuff. Yeah, Universal Soldier, sort of his Terminator. Time uh-huh. Cop is sort of his Total Recall. This is obviously his, his Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, it is. And it is a unique one in the lineup. There aren't many others like that where he's just playing a guy that's not supposedly not a martial arts expert in any form. And and like we're saying, it represents sort of that the furthest he's come from where he started. So in that sense, it, it has to be in the mix for me. Yeah, okay. It's in the box set. Yeah. What, what do you think? Uh, I probably wouldn't make my box set if I was going out. Like I, I appreciate its role or its place in the overall. Yeah. Oral storyline of JCVD, mm. but it's probably not my favorite. It's not bad. Yeah, I prefer I prefer Time Cop. Agree for context. Yeah, agree. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing the quest. The quest is going to be interesting because I I started watching it for the first time in ages when we were about to interview Frank Dukes. Yeah, and I only caught the beginning, and I didn't realize at that point it was directed by Jean Claude Van Damme. And then once I read that, it made a lot of sense. It's got. Yeah, we'll I suppose we'll cover it. Oh, it we're gonna wait ten mil meetings. Man, um, it's like do you, have you watched the American version of The Office? Yes. And how there's an ongoing side plot thing where he makes a movie, and it's like an action movie thing. No, it had it reeks of the same thing of Michael Scott making his own action movie. Right. It's like chocolate, like starting as the old man telling the story. <laughs> it's just oh. Nice. I, look I can't tell exactly. if it's good, bad, or bad, bad. That's why I look forward to I it. I look forward to it. It's going to be juicy either way. Yeah. So, uh, look, I, I didn't mind this film. Yeah. I didn't mind it. Yeah. Uh, and I started to watch it again today because I, I was a little distracted a couple of times when I was trying to get it watched, which was probably probably affected my overall experience, which mm. I which is not not what we want. Yeah. We don't want that. We don't want that. Uh, but it was good action. The performances weren't too bad. Too many loose ends on the plot. Yeah. It's like they were just 
d- dishing out tropes that led nowhere. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was probably just a little bit too. Well, the crooked cop did die. Yeah, that's that. interesting. <laughs> it wasn't always saying that. Uh, one. That's a good. That's good to know. Uh, <laughs> that gives it extra half a star. Um, putting it at one. <laughs> putting it at three out of five stars. Yeah, not bad. That sounds fair. That sounds I did fair. have one question I forgot to ask. I oh pop- yeah. How come when he went on as the substitute go- or the goalkeeper? Yeah. Not anyone in his team recognized it wasn't. Well, that's what I mean because that's the part where I must have gone to the toilet or something because I was – You missed the goalkeeping bit? I saw the goalkeeping bit but I'm not sure how he got there and I had the similar questions. Like, like what? Well, you can't it? just get on there. And like ha- people would know because where's the other goalie? Like, he's in the John. <laughs> it, how did they not tell it was him? Like they're at point blank with his face just because he's got a hockey mask on. Yeah. And then, and then the henchman spots him, spots him from like <laughs> fucking aisle D. <laughs> there he yeah, is. That's true. That he's not skating like – is that the henchman um, that was a big fan of you too? What was that? One of them looked like Bono. Oh, did he? Very much. <laughs> <laughs> he was very Bono-esque. Oh, there was a lot it of henchmen. It was the style at the time. Yeah, it was. It was 95. He was very culturally some, influential. Like, some pearl oval sunglasses. He had perhaps. something like that and he had the earring. Oh, yeah. Oh, the guy that killed the grandma. Yeah. He had the no, killer of the grandma. No, 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 no. He, had, was a, at, he had a big cross earring. He was more like a... 90210 type. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was, he, yeah, yeah. That was hardcore, man. Yeah, they're just capping off people. <sighs> brutal, brutal film. And that, oh, yeah, another speaking of tropes that went nowhere, the chef throwing up the knife as though he's like, he's going to come back later and be like some knife guy. That's a good point. A, a, a real Chekhov's knife. But why did he, he chop his onions as though he was holding a tooth? A, a tooth and he's brush. like the head chef. Yeah. And he's like, doesn't like, a kitchen hand chop the onions. Yeah, he def- Yes, <laughs> and they don't chop them holding a knife like like a. He was I I don't think he was a real brush. chef. I'm getting that impression. Yeah, oh yeah. He definitely. He didn't do the. You know, Jean Claude Van Damme did hockey training for this movie. I don't think that guy did any chef, chef training. training. <laughs> he, he, did, he did wear the whites though. He wore the whites. Had he a moustache. Um. Yeah. 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 Any recast this for you? Nah. Well, they remade this with Michael J. Michael White. Michael J. White. And um. Apparently, I glossed over this before, but apparently the first draft of the script was more comedic, and the only thing that stayed from that version was the fight with the um, penguin. The penguin, yeah. But and then, I mean, this this was in the corners of the internet, so I don't know how true it is. And I haven't seen the film, but apparently the Michael J. White version is closer to that original concept, so it might have some funnier bits to it. Mm. But I haven't seen it. The only recast that I came up with was um, Drake, as Canadian. And you can see, you can <laughs> no, but I thought of that because you know how he gets, he really likes to get in there with the basketball and such. Like he yeah. acts involved, like he's part of the win. Oh, yeah. So you he, could set it apart. Yeah, he jumps. And he would, so he would save the day. He would love this as an ego project, mm. a movie about him saving the day at the NBA or some mm. shit um, with the Toronto Raptors or whatever. So that's my repitch. That's my repitch slash recast. It's a basketball here. game now? Yeah. And it's Drake. As. So, Saving his kid that he pretended he didn't have. Oh, yeah. That's there good. you go. That and works. And then he, he wrote a song about the experience. Yes. Yeah. Basketball. Terrorist came, shot him out. Nah, the singing ones. Oh, you got the singing ones? I only listen to his singing songs because I don't, I don't like him as a rapper. I don't mind his voice. DMX it doesn't so like dorky. it. Yeah. So, did I send you that? No. Maybe we just both saw it. That was so funny. I don't like his face. <laughs> I don't like his face. I don't like his voice. I don't like it. Ar, ar. You do a good DMX. 
That's not him. That's, that's not his song. voice. <laughs> uh, MVP. DMX is in a movie with. Exit wounds. Exit wounds. Uh, MVP. Oh, um, Powers Booth. Bye. Oh. I had Powers Booth. It was a good villain. He was up there. Let's go with two times Powers Booth. He did feel like he was. He also felt like Hans Gruber met Tommy Lee Jones from Under Siege. Oh, yeah. Because okay. he's ex CIA. Yeah. In, okay. in, um, in that film. I felt like he had good gravitas. He felt like the. The, the, the real deal in his have, movie versus the others. And he's also from Texas, which is where Tommy Lee Jones is from. They talk a little bit the same. Mm. Texan. What are we doing next week? That's a very good question. We're going a bit freestyle at the yeah, moment, aren't we? <laughs> we've been free because we've, well, we've been in between. In, we've got guests that we're getting on but we haven't been on lockdown times and things so everything's sort of up in the air. So we don't know uh, what we're like doing next week yet. It's butter, baby. It's butter, good. baby. Maybe we should hit some of those names we haven't hit in a while, like a Stallone, like a Keanu, like a Nick Cage. I wouldn't mind some Cage, baby. Yeah. Some Vampire's Kiss. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. That's the one. All the memes. Oh. The- <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. <laughs> he does that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was good. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>